Our guest today worked in Columbia Business School's admissions office, has a master's in journalism, 15 years of experience as an accepted admissions consultant, and has lived around the world. With that wealth of experience and invaluable foundation, she is going to discuss with us today, U.S. MBA admissions for international applicants. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Hello, and welcome to the 467th episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me today and whenever you can tune in. The featured resource for today's show is Accepted's MBA Admissions Quiz. Are you ready to apply to your dream MBA programs? Are you competitive at your target schools? Accepted's MBA Admissions Quiz can give you a quick reality check. Just go to accepted.com slash MBA quiz, complete the quiz, and you'll not only get an assessment, but tips on how to improve your qualifications. Plus, it's all free and should take you about three minutes, maybe less. Again, take the quiz at exhibit.com slash MBA quiz to obtain your free assessment. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Michelle Stockman. Michelle earned her master's in journalism from Columbia University. While studying there, she worked in Columbia Business School's admissions office and got a real insider perspective on the MBA admissions process. She reached out to me way back in 2007 and has been an MBA admissions consultant ever since. She also pursued her career in journalism and has lived in different parts of the U.S. as well as different parts of the globe. For the last six years, she has lived in Berlin, Germany, and assisted many of our European, Asian, and Middle Eastern clients, and even a few located in the U.S. to gain admission to U.S. and European MBA programs, and occasionally journalism school. Michelle, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Good to see you, Linda. Great to have you on. Now, before we get to MBA missions, can you please tell us a few of the places that you have actually lived? Not just traveled to, but lived. Absolutely. I grew up in Rochester, New York, which is kind of near Niagara Falls. And then as an adult, I moved to New York City, where I lived for about five years. And I loved it. I was a journalist there. I went to journalism school there, worked in the Columbia Business School admissions office and felt like I was entering a movie every day, helping people achieve their dreams as well as pursuing my dream. Uh, Then I moved to Washington, D.C. and got to experience living in the city that's the seat of government and watching U.S. politics up close. And then I moved to Islamabad, Pakistan, where I also worked as a journalist and admissions consultant. And that's a beautiful city. It's right in the foothills of the Himalayas. And I had a a wonderful time. And that's where I started my family. And then uh, after that, I lived in Qatar for a little while and family had brought me there and I worked from there as well. And that was a really interesting experience. I found it to be incredibly diverse. I met people from all over the world who'd come to work there and did a lot of hanging out in mall food courts. Uh, so we could all have some yummy meals while staying out of the heat and, and just made some wonderful friendships. And then I moved from there to uh, Berlin, Germany. And I love it here. We've lived here for six years and it's just been an incredible, wonderful, again, international experience. So you've lived in North America, you've lived in Asia, 
you've lived in the Middle East and you're now in Europe. That's pretty, pretty international, global, really, perspective. In terms of your work with Accepted, you've worked mostly with international applicants to U.S. MBA programs, some European schools also. But what do you see as the main challenges faced by international applicants to U.S. MBA programs specifically? The easy answer is that it's hard to get to know the schools that they are applying to because of distance, because of perhaps the inability to travel and visit campuses. We also have COVID, which absolutely made that impossible, even for domestic candidates. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go a little deeper than that, because there are a lot of resources that schools give you to get to know their programs. And the reason why they want you to get to know their programs is so that you can make the most of your time when you're there and to make sure that you are a good match and you can actually pursue and achieve your goals with the resources that are available through their programs. But again, as I said, I'm gonna go deeper. I think an issue that I've seen a lot when I'm dealing with international students is when they write their why this particular program essay. A lot of people say, you know, I, I wanna follow this concentration and it'll give me some really good insight into the future. It'll be a wonderful opportunity to uh, be a part of that network. And they leave it at that kind of level of detail. And it's just not enough because you are competing with people who've really done their research. They may have been able to go to campus and meet people in the admissions office or professors or current students and really get that insider perspective. So if you are not able to do that, to go there, You need to create opportunities for yourself to get that insider knowledge and think about, okay, if this is my goal, I'm already thinking about it. And what are some challenges that I foresee that I might like to engage with other students to kind of get some ideas to solve this? Or, you know, maybe one of these professors at this particular program is an expert in this. If I could have a one-on-one conversation with him, what is the question that is, I'm just dying to ask him. That's the kind of information that really excites people when they're reading your essay because they know you've really done your homework you're really going to make the most of your time so what i would say is dig into your network and dig into social media networks to start making connections to current students or alumni who you can get these insider tips from you know who's a great professor if i want to pursue this What's a good aspect of the program that will help me get there where I could meet other students or professors or alumni who could help me engage with me and and find answers or or leads to the next step and helping me solve this challenge that's going to be essential for my next career step. It's a great answer. I love the fact that you also went into kind of how to solve the challenge. Do you think that another part of the challenge might be that the, the focus on stats in many other cultures? Okay, so I I know that in some in some cultures, it's strictly the test score that will get you into the next school or the next level. And in the United States and and to a certain extent, Europe, it's not just a test score. It's the insight that you bring to your essays, which you're emphasizing very much the kind of the self-awareness about where you want to go and how the school is going to take you there. Do you think that's also part of the problem? I think it is. A different perspective. It's a sh- okay. it's a perspective shift mm-hmm. that often I talk with to my clients about. I have lived in India. I've lived in Pakistan and and other countries where you know the test is it. 
your high score on this test and you've kind of got your life made and it is so competitive. And so to achieve that is wonderful and masterful. It's something Mm -hmm. to brag about, but it's not always going to be understood outside of the culture that you have achieved so much in the country you've achieved Mm -hmm. so much. in. So what I try to do is say, you know, it is wonderful that you have reached that level, but now you are competing on a global level. And what is really valued is you being able to show you've got a certain level of aptitude and academic skill, but also again, that ability to create new things, to have ideas that you take and you execute and you make a reality and to show leadership. So we have to dig even further and we have to challenge ourselves. Okay. I've reached this level now thinking global, I'm going to go up here and we got to dig deep to go up here. And it's not just that first job. It's also kind of, what do you want to contribute? What do you want to change? What do you want to accomplish on a, Mm -hmm. on a greater, greater level than just achieving this career title? Yeah, I think I think that's uh, an interesting way of looking at it too, because you know when you are constructing your goals essay, you want to have a believable goal, sure. and you want to have a concrete goal a lot of times. But it also can be, be say, aspirational. Yes, yes, right. aspirational. But you you want to be able to say, I see myself in this position at X Y Z company. That's a really a good concrete goal because people can understand and grasp onto it. But again, it's not just about saying, I'm going to achieve that and my life is made and, and, you know, I'm going to be the bee's knees to everybody. (laughs) It's what you were referencing. What are you going to do in that position? How are you going to make an impact? Why are you the right person at the right time to go in and, and have this kind of, again, impact that's going to make this company want to hire you and will be another springboard to your goals. As you said, it's not just the title, it's thinking about what you can do in that role and and how you can lift the people around you and make the world a better place uh, through through, through working towards your goals. Great way to put it. Wonderful way to put it. Now let's look at a, a few specific places where, where you've lived. And frankly, that send a lot of applicants to business school and some of them become your clients. What are the main challenges facing applicants from South Asia, especially India and Pakistan, which are not the same. They're obviously very different. And yes. in and of themselves, each of them is diverse. But what are some principal challenges facing that specific group? Absolutely. And I forgot to mention, I did live in India as well. I lived there for around eight months before I lived in Pakistan. So yes, I have experience on both sides of South Asia. So what I would say is, as you mentioned, there is, there are some really structured ways. I'm going to speak first about India, some really structured ways to move ahead academically and then career-wise. A lot of it has to do with exams, scoring well on these national exams, and then getting into top universities. That kind of idea, I think, that very structured advancement also exists within corporate structures. So when you talk about activities, 
when I'm reading a lot of Indian applicants, I would say resumes or when they tell me about their lives, a lot of it, when we talk about activities outside of work, it actually often has to do with work. It's, it's a, a structure within the corporation that says, okay, you're volunteering with this and this is the social initiative that is kind of sponsored by the corporation that you might have helped spearhead and you're really uh, working hard within, but still to an outside perspective, uh, I would say to US schools, it sounds to sound, it starts to sound very similar. A lot of applicants come with saying I was part of this initiative through my corporation. And so it doesn't quite come off as really authentic volunteer work or authentic ideas that you've tried to make into reality and have an impact. And so when we come up with ideas for essays, as you mentioned, Linda, again, we're not looking at scores and that's who you are. You're a mosaic to an admissions committee. There are so many different parts of you that they're gonna look at to see a big picture. And so we wanna talk about things outside of work that you've done or things that mean a lot to you that you've acted upon to try and have an impact on other people's lives in a positive way. And so oftentimes I'm working with Indian applicants who don't really have that. They've got something that existed within the corporate structure that they participated in, but not something that they may have started on their own and pursued. I think applicants are getting smarter over the years. And I think I see more applicants doing things like that. But if they don't, because they are so busy, because they have such high demands on their work hours, I mean, the hours expected of Indian applicants work-wise, also Pakistan applicants work-wise are, are huge. Really? So you don't maybe have the time. So what I try to do with my applicants is say, okay, well, let's make this really micro. Let's think about one person that you may have worked with to help improve their life, where you took time out of your busy schedule to say, I see that I can help this person with my skill set and I'm going to nurture and help them. Or you might say, you know, something I, is happening that I don't agree with and I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to say, no, we're going to change this. And you take a risk to change something that you think isn't working right or isn't ethical and make a difference in one person's life. And I've had success with, with candidates who, who take that micro perspective rather than try and say, I did all these things. It's not nearly as impactful or impressive as if you can show some bravery, sticking your neck out or, or really figuring out how you can help one person who might be in need. Number of membership cards in your wallet doesn't count really either. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not impressive if you if you're a member of all these things and can't really talk about how you participated and made an impact. Right. And is there would you say that the same feedback for Pakistan? I would say that, again, we're talking about just demands on people's time when it mm -hmm. comes to when you when you reach a certain level of success and when you're hired to certain roles, they're just huge demands on your time. And it's just a different way of, I would say, there are just different ways that people might watch out for each other or get involved volunteer work-wise. 
And it, it doesn't always translate easily to what maybe a U.S. or European way of approaching that would be. And so we have to find those micro stories. Got it. Um, that is insane. As I, as I said, I, over the years that I've done this, I've seen more and more applicants really hearing, I, I've, I've got to do something and, and maybe getting something started that's more structured. Right. Um, but again, if you, if you don't have time, if, if that's something that you weren't aware of, that doesn't mean you didn't do it. Right. It means you just need to look for that in your life. Right. What is the most common mistake you see applicants making, whether they're from India, Pakistan, Europe, or the U.S.? You occasionally work with U.S. applicants also. Mm -hmm. I think, again, it is that failure to really dig into the program that you're going to apply to and having very superficial reasons for why you want to attend the program and not really thinking about how you're going to make the most of your time there. And that's by having some idea of the classes you want to take, having some idea of the clubs you want to be in, and not just listing the clubs, showing that you're going to be an active member, like put your neck out, yeah. propose some ideas for something that you might like to start as part of the club or a seminar that you might like to organize. Or sometimes it's I know I, I look at a, a site and I see that they have all these clubs listed and, and yet half of them are dormant. Yeah. Maybe you want to revitalize a club. Yeah, absolutely. So come and show that you're going to make an impact. I, I think that's, that's a huge thing. And another thing that I see as an, a mistake across the board is, again, we are so used to in a job interview, showing our resume and showing what we've done. And a huge part of the MBA application is to show you've thought about the future. And so I often see uh, slim pickings when it comes to justifications for the goals that people want to pursue and not so much research done in terms of why this is a good move, why you're the right person at the right place in the right time, helping me learn something that I think would be so cool. I think those are some of the most exciting essays that I read saying, wow, this is, this could be possible. You, you want to make this change. That's so great. Let's, let's do that. But oftentimes it takes some digging with my clients to get there. I'm sure you're, you're great at getting that out of them. What about reapplicants? We find that many times we're approached by applicants who decided to do it themselves, do it yourself, uh, take that do it yourself approach the first time around. And then the second time around, they're like, you know, I think I better get some help. How do you approach advising reapplicants? The advice I have for reapplicants is to first be open for feedback. So I'm going to read your application. I'm going to see what you submitted to the school. And I am going to find what's missing in that mosaic that they want to see from you. And that's what we have to fill in the blanks. It's interesting because when you're a reapplicant, if you reapply, let's say you applied in round two and you want to apply in round one, that really means you only have about six months to kind of show the admissions committee the things that you've tried to improve about your application. If you applied in round three, it really shortens that period. And sometimes we can fix what's missing because you didn't quite tell your story right. 
your goals weren't really well defined. You didn't really convince the school about why that program is just so great for you, but they always want to know what you're trying to do to improve yourself. So think about that as you are applying. This is a time to think, okay, how can I have an impact at my job where I can update the admissions committee on a milestone that I've reached? This can be both professionally, it can also be personally. You want to make sure that if you have an issue that you're trying to make a difference in, that you might volunteer around, keep trying to make something happen within that sphere so you can update the admissions committee. Also, if you think that your GMAT score was a little low, enroll yourself in a quant course so that you can improve and show uh, that you can show that you're working to improve that aspect of your application. So it is a constant process that you need to be thinking about. And we want to have things that we can periodically update the admissions committee so they know you're still trying. It still means a lot to you. Excellent advice. Every so often I'll talk to somebody who says, well, my, my GMAT score, my GRE score, whatever score they applied with was low last time. I've retaken it. I raised it, but I thought my essays were pretty good. Should I rewrite my essays? They were, they weren't the problem. It was my GMAT score, my lack of work experience or whatever, but it wasn't my essays. What would you say to that person? This is my response to that. There is a great New Yorker article I read not too long ago, and it was written. I can't remember his name, but he's a surgeon. Okay. And he said, I decided that even though I'm at the top of my field, I still wanted a coach to see what I can improve. And so he hired a retired surgeon to come in and observe him while he was doing the surgery. And that surgeon said, well, I could see these things you were doing, these moves that were not as efficient as they could be. You should think about doing this kind of suture and really gave him some tips that because he was an expert, he could observe. And, and the author of the article trusted him because he knew he was experienced. So that's what I would say. We are skilled surgeons who are just going to make you better. All of us can use a little bit of coaching. Right. And that's what we bring to you. We just want to help you and make, make you shine. And we're experts in this. We're not trying to tear you down. We're trying to make you the very best you can be. So absolutely, we can always do some revision and receive coaching. Right. Professional writers have editors for a reason. But I was even thinking of another reason that when I asked the question. Hmm. And that is that, as you said, business schools like to see growth in reapplicants. If you basically submit the same essays and just that improved GMAT score or just that promotion or just that extra year of work experience, you're not really showing any growth. No, no, you're not. And Linda, what you were saying, those things, those, that's what you do when you're on the wait list. Yeah. That's when you show, oh, I've retaken the GMAT and I got a better score. I just got a promotion. These are little updates when you already kind of have a foot in the door. Great point. Great point. It is a new application when you're a reapplicant. You are still competing against people who are submitting something fresh against other reapplicants too. So think about that. Right. You have to be the very best of the reapplicants. And that includes showing advancement. It includes showing introspection. Maturation. Maturation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. 
If you're in the midst of MBA applications, then you may appreciate an easy way to sort and keep track of your many resumes, letters, and documents. With the help of Interfolio, used by 1 million scholars worldwide, you can have a single home for all your application materials and a streamlined way to request and receive letters of recommendation. Receive 10% off with the promo code ACCEPTED22 at interfolio.com slash accepted. That's interfolio.com slash accepted with the promo code ACCEPTED22 for your 10% off. And now back to the show. Now you are a journalist, a very experienced journalist at this point. How do you recommend applicants approach telling their story via the essays? Storytelling, I mean, for you at this point, it's natural. It's second nature by virtue mm-hmm. of your training and your experience. But for the rest of us, is it so natural to, you know, they write memos, business memos, they write um, computer programs. What about telling a story? What right. advice do you have for that? What I often do is when I'm first brainstorming with my clients is that I ask them, you know, the moments of growth usually come to us at some of the hardest moments in our lives. So I want you to think back to some of those moments and write them down and then think about what you learned from that experience and how it changed the way you see the world. And that often leads to stories that we will include in our essays. Uh, Because often when we achieve something, we have to overcome hurdles to get there. Or if we experience something that's difficult, we learn what's the most important to ourselves and our lives. And it changes how we live our lives and, and the choices we make for our future. So I generally say, let's come up with about five stories. See if you can find five hard moments in your life or five things that were hard to do. Uh, and both, they can be a mixture of professional or personal, and then let's talk them through. And then we find out deeper what was learned and how that has influenced the person to be more effective in the roles they take on. That's a great tip. That's a wonderful tip. Wow. I, I never thought of it that way, but obviously we do learn the most, grow the most from those difficult moments. Mm-hmm. and and problems. So, all right, a great tip. Now, you're not only a journalist, you're a professional video journalist. And in addition to being a, an MBA consultant, as I've said, what tips do you have for applicants who need to submit a short video response or video essay as part of their application? What are good tips for telling their story on a video? Now, you gave a great tip just a minute ago in terms of mining your life's experience for wonderful stories. And there's obviously ways to write them, but what about showing it? So first let's talk about showing it. The way my video screen is set up right now, I would say is the ideal framing. I'm not sure I have the ideal background right now. I've got a closet and a curtain, (laughs) but uh, you can see people listening on the podcast might not be able to see this. So I'm going to try and describe it. I have a rectangular screen. I have you know, a little bit of space above my head, uh, above the, before it gets cut off, not too much, just enough kind of, we think of the rule of thirds. So there should be one third of the screen that is blank space. Your head should be in the second third, and then your body is down below. And then I'm centered. I'm right in the middle and I'm looking straight ahead. I'm not looking to the side. I'm not looking to another side. I'm looking straight ahead. So it's like the audience 
sees me and I'm talking to them. It's so important and it shows care and consideration when you think about your background and you try and make it attractive and you try and make the frame attractive. It's the first thing people notice on video. Okay. Do I like looking at this? And, and having a good frame is half the battle done. So uh, that's my first tip. And I think also because I'm a video journalist, it, it bugs me when it's not quite right. <laughs> the second thing I would say is you don't have a lot of time to attract a person's attention. So most of these video essays are about a minute long. And so you, it's good to have in your head, I'm going to say three things and have a topic sentence, say something to support it, and then move on to the next idea, say something short and next idea. And you will know that you've got this right because you're going to practice and you're going to practice a lot. Like I'm saying maybe 10 times a day leading up to when you're going to record your video. Wow. Practice makes perfect. It's exposure therapy almost. And another tip I have is put a sticker right next to that little green light on your computer. So you're looking at that and you're not again, looking down or to the side because people might think you're reading notes. And that also looks really bad on an MBA application essay. You do not want to read from notes. It, it just looks bad. So practice being able to speak spontaneously. And if you mess up, own it. Say, oops, that's not what I meant to say, but let's keep going. Show you can get over trying to be perfect if you're not perfect and show that you've got a good attitude and you can manage the hurdles that are thrown at you. A format I like to try and do and give to my clients is SOAR or SOAR. So if you're asked a question, think of the situation, what the obstacles were, what the actions you took and what the results were. And if you have time, what you learned, that's a great way to answer any question that might be thrown at you. And because it tells a story and it tells a process and it, it allows you to get a little brag about yourself, but show how you achieve what you achieve. Wonderful. I once just getting back to the idea of being able to uh, recover from, uh, you know, a, a flub in the video, not that you have to include it on intentionally, but when COVID first hit and all interviews moved online and everybody was at home and with, with kids, I remember talking to a couple of admissions directors and they were telling me stories about interviewing people suddenly online. So mm. one story was about a candidate who was admitted and fell off the chair. I don't know <laughs> how or how they managed to fall off the chair, but they managed to fall off the chair and they just got up you know, kind of rubbed whatever was heard and, and then continued the interview. Or another one had the, the three-year-old walk into the room. Now, obviously the three-year-old had been told, don't, don't come and talk to daddy now, daddy's busy. And the door was closed, but the three-year-old managed to open the door, come in and daddy, can you, you know, whatever. And, and the guy just said, you know what, I'll, I'll do whatever you want, but just give me about five minutes. I'll talk to you. You know, he was very nice to the child, fortunately. Mm -hmm. And, and again, he was admitted because he handled the situation well. So I think that, uh, again, I don't, I don't think you want your three-year-old to walk in in the middle of an interview or a video essay. And obviously, since you can practice the video essay, you can, you know, you can choose the best one or you can record the best one. But um, I think you're right that when you do handle a, a, a flub or an issue, 
it shows the kind of poise and again, maturity that would lead one to conclude, oh, this person can handle a little bump. Right. Right. And that's the essence of leadership. Yes. You're going to have a lot bigger bumps than that. You'll have unexpected situations thrown at you that you need to make quick decisions about. For sure. For sure. Now, it's now March. Some applicants are thinking ahead to summer and fall uh, when they want to apply. Other than getting a great GMAT or GRE score, if their target program requires those tests, what should they be doing? What would you advise them to be doing? I would say they need to be having conversations with their network. So reach out to people you know who've attended business school, ask them questions about the program so you can learn as much as you can about it so that you can talk authoritatively about how it matches what your aspirations are. And if you don't know anyone in your network, get on LinkedIn. Start trying to connect with people, see if you can say, hey, can I have five minutes during your coffee hour? Or do you mind answering these questions via email or WhatsApp? Do what you can, be creative to get to know an insider perspective of the programs that you're interested in. That is a great use of your time leading up to uh, the application period. And also thinking about your goals, thinking about if I was on the stage in a TED talk, what would I say is the future of the industry that I want to get into that is so cool? And learn something about it so that you can wow me in your application to say, wow, that's such a cool idea. That's, that's an exciting thing that I want to help you be a part of. So do some deep thinking, have lots of conversations, build your network. We actually had um, an interview with a Stanford grad, a recent Stanford grad who with another MBA student wrote a book called MBA Coffee Chats. And I'm going to link to the interview from the, from the show notes. And you can, you'll be able to find those at accepted.com slash four, six, seven. But yeah, it's a great, great suggestion. And I think the goal research is also critical. Mm -hmm. Now, one last question before we go, what would you have liked me to ask you that I haven't asked? Well, what's lingering in my mind is one of the most pleasurable applicants I was able to work with who was accepted to Berkeley. And that process of settling in on his goals, he had really high aspirations for himself. He had an entrepreneurial mindset and he came up with a goal that unfortunately I picked holes in right from the start. I said, well, how are you going to do that? And this doesn't seem convincing. And, you know, so we went through several iterations until he got into something that he said, yes. And I said, yes. And it made sense. And it was impressive. It linked to his past. He had the expertise for it. So again, I would say, get out of your own head, talk these things through with experts, with coaches who can help you express it in an expert way as well. And that is going to be one of the best preparations you can have as you approach the application cycle, because you will have this wealth of knowledge uh, and experience if you've done your homework, if you've had these conversations, as you sit down and write these essays, which when you have a blank paper can be a daunting experience, but when you have someone to help you organize those thoughts, and then you have 
the actual good thoughts, then it, it can be a really pleasurable experience. And I would say that's one of the most exciting things about working with my clients is that I feel like they learn a lot about themselves mm -hmm. through this process. They have more clarity as they're moving forward. And I think they're stronger professionals because one of the things that can be rare to find, as you were mentioning, in some of these more technical fields is the ability to express your ideas. And how powerful is that when you can? Oh, yeah. Really, it, it makes you a leader when, when you are skilled at doing that. And if I can help someone who doesn't have a lot of experience doing that and learning the tools to do that, I feel like I'm setting them up not only to get into the MBA program that they want to, but for a long, successful professional career. Great. Thank you so much, Michelle. This has been fantastic. You've given wonderful advice and insight. And I'm going to link to your bio page at Accepted so that listeners who want to contact you and perhaps work with you can do so. And you can find the show notes at accept.com slash 467. And again, a link to Michelle's contact page as well as other relevant shows and material. Listener, I want to thank you too for joining Michelle Stockman and me for our 467th episode. If you find the show worthwhile, I have a suggestion. Subscribe to Admission Straight Talk. That way you won't miss any of the any future shows. Quick reminder, don't miss the MBA admissions quiz. Find out if you are really ready to apply and competitive at your target schools. Take the quiz at accepted.com slash MBA quiz. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.